just dive right in. We're um, going to talk about the prayer and the plan of God, as Janet mentioned. And um, first thing, we uh, what, what is prayer? Uh, many people just have different understanding, but prayer is just basically talking with God. We'll keep it simple. It, it's uh, talking with God. And, but we'll see uh, in the in the book of uh, Luke, uh, well, the Gospel of Luke, in the book of Acts. Um, that Luke says that there's a real important relationship between prayer and the plan of God. So we'll, we'll look at that, and as, as he's making these points uh, uh, about prayer and the plan of God, we'll see a lot of things that, he, that the Bible teaches us about prayer. So the first point I want, just want to say is that the, about this emphasis on prayer and the plan of God is that God often chooses to uh, fulfill his sovereign plan in conjunction with the prayers of his people. So this, if we understand, and Luke is making, he's insisting on this. We'll, we'll see example after example that he's, he's showing that the plan of God is unfolding as the people of God pray. pray. So the, they're, they're praying the promises of God. He's fulfilling his promises. But uh, he chooses in his own sovereignty that he'll do it uh, as the people of God pray. So uh, this will really, this motivates us to pray because it shows how important it is in the plan of God. And it, uh, Paul, he talks about that God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. And I think this is one of the ways that God does it. It's in the weakness of prayer. When we can't do anything on our, on our own, we have to ask God. We have to pray to God. We have to seek God. It's a confession before God that we can't do anything on our own. So that's, I think that's part of how God's power, God's strength is released, uh, through, is perfected in our weakness. And we'll, we'll see this in many examples in Luke and Acts. So it's important to understand just the, the context in Luke and Acts, what the general, the central theme is. Usually if you look at the beginning and the end of a, of a book, if the same idea is mentioned, then it's the theme right throughout. So uh, what we have in Luke and Acts is, is that uh, he's, Luke is saying that, is that the, he's talking about it's an account of, the, uh, of what God has fulfilled in his time. There, there are prophecies in the Old Testament about the Christ, and he, Luke is saying, okay, this is the account in Luke chapter 1, verse 1, he says, this is an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. So it's all about what was prophesied about the Christ and that Jesus, who is the Christ, who is the Messiah, the son of David, uh, that God has fulfilled all those Old Testament prophe uh, prophecies. So that's what he's recording uh, in, in the book. So Luke 24, 44, it says, at the end of the book, he picks up the same thing about fulfillment. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. So that's Jesus speaking. He's saying everything that was written in the Old Testament, the three major sections, that is written about me has to be fulfilled. So what he says later is all about him. He's, what is written there, he says, is that the Christ would die, he would uh, rise from the dead, and the gospel would be proclaimed in his name to all nations. So that is also about Jesus. The third part is also about Jesus, the gospel going to all nations, which is what we see in Acts. It is all God fulfilling his plan, both Luke and Acts. God has a plan, and he's still fulfilling it uh, through Jesus, because Jesus reigns, he's poured out his spirit on the church, and we are taking the gospel to all nations. That's the plan of God revealed in the Old Testament that God is still fulfilling, and that's the theme of Luke's uh, work. So the first example of this relationship that Luke is making between prayer and the plan of God starts right at the beginning of the, of the story in Luke, uh, Luke chapter 1. We'll start with verse 7. I think the slide says 8. Uh, it, it's the story of Zechariah, the priest, and uh, Elizabeth. They're, they're, uh, they're 
both elderly, it says that they, they uh, but they had no children because uh, Elizabeth was barren and they were both well along in years. In verse 8, once Zechariah, uh, the priest, was, his division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God. He was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time uh, for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And he's, he's gripped with fear, and then the angel says to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. And he talks about that, that your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. His name is John, will be John. Um, you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. In verse 17, he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. So Luke, this is his, his beginning of this account that he's well-researched, and, and he's saying it's an account of God's plan being fulfilled. It starts with Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. It has to start with John the Baptist because, the, again, it's a, an account of uh, Old Testament prophecy being fulfilled. Well, in the Old Testament, the spirit, someone would come in the spirit and power of Elijah before the Lord came. So it has to start here. John the Baptist has to, has to come, and then Jesus is the Lord and Christ. He will come after John the Baptist. So uh, Luke is saying it's being fulfilled uh, right now with the, with the announcement of the angel Gabriel about the birth of John the Baptist. But the story about this announcement, it emphasizes prayer. You have the, the, uh, the priest burning incense in the holy place, and they did that uh, before the morning sacrifice and after the evening sacrifice. And Luke links this practice to prayer as, uh, as part of Jewish tradition after the Old Testament that when the, the incense and the, the sacrifice was given, uh, they would have a time of public prayer. That's why you have all these people who are praying on the outside, just outside there and they're, they're joining in as the incense is going up. They're praying. Their prayers are, are going up. So what is Luke saying here? The context of the beginning of God fulfilling his plan uh, about all the promises he made about the Christ in the Old Testament begins in a corporate prayer meeting. This is intentional because we'll see him doing it again and again and again, mentioning that the, the key events in the unfolding of the fulfillment of God's plan uh, occur in the, in the context of prayer, individual or corporate. This is intentional. And it's not just the corporate prayer meeting. It's uh, incense being offered. It's mentioned three times in the text in the, in the whole story. So we know in Revelations and Psalms, incense is a symbol of, of prayer. So it is, as the incense is going up, that's why the, Jew, the Jews are praying. Their prayers go up uh, before the Lord. And then on top of that, the angel appears and says, uh, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. And this is important because the, the prayer of Zechariah for a, for a child uh, is linked to the prayer of Israel for the redemption of Jerusalem. Because by answering Zechariah and Elizabeth's prayer for a child, that John the Baptist will go before the Lord, who will bring in redemption, he is answering the prayer of Israel for redemption. Because John goes before, before the Lord who brings it. And just in Luke chapter 2, just after this story, we see the story of Anna. She's praying and fasting in the temple night and day, and she's praying for the redemption of Jerusalem. So this is what the, it's on the heart of the people of God, praying the promise of the Lord. But it's going to come through an answer of prayer to, John, to sorry, Zechariah and Elizabeth, and coming in through John, John the Baptist. So the text clearly emphasizes prayer. It's a corporate prayer meeting, 
Zechariah's prayer is being heard. Incense is going up. So, and this, this story is not in any other gospel. And Luke will keep on adding elements of prayer, and, and even in the same, you'll see often like Jesus being baptized. And you'll see the same event in, in another gospel. And they don't say that Jesus was praying when he, when he was baptized. But Luke adds that he was. Why? Because prayer and the plan of God is a crucial theme in, in the book of Luke. So his point here is simply that this account, his account of God's plan being fulfilled, starts as an answer to prayer. The personal prayer of Zechariah and Elizabeth, and the prayer of Israel that God will fulfill his promise that he would comfort Zion, he would redeem uh, Jerusalem. So prayer is the place where God begins to fulfill his plan. That's why it's so crucial, it's so essential. He is chosen in his sovereignty. He doesn't have to, but it's his sovereign will that he's chosen to link it to, to our weakness, that we come before him in need and say, Lord, you accomplish. We can't do anything without your power, without your presence. Uh, your, your promise cannot be fulfilled by human effort. We acknowledge this. We come before you in pray, prayer, and we ask you to fulfill your promise. It's so simple, we miss it. But this is the plan of God for advancing the kingdom of God. It's the way of God. And also, in, as we're praying, as I said, prayer is you're talking to God, but as we talk with, it's relational. If you talk to anybody, you normally expect them to talk back. It's a conversation. Well, prayer is a conversation. As we're praying to, to God, he talks to us, as he did to, to Zechariah. He revealed his plan in the context of prayer. So there's four things we can, we can uh, mention. As I said, there, uh, each point, this is at one event. There'll be other events we'll look at. Luke is saying, okay, this, this event is being accomplished in prayer. But he's telling us about prayer also. There's four things we learn from this text. Um, one, it says, well, what, what to pray? What do we pray? Like uh, <clears throat> Zechariah and Elizabeth, we pray for our personal needs. Uh, they, they wanted a child. Uh, so they, you pray for your personal needs. But also you pray the promises of God. You kneel on the promises. Because they're praying for the redemption of Jerusalem. Why? Because the Old Testament said that God would come and redeem Israel from slavery. And so that, that we, we pray the promises of God. So in the New Testament, we pray, whatever you see in the, sometimes we say, well, we don't know how to pray. We, I don't have the words for it. <laughs> You've got a whole book. Just pray the promises of God. Pray scripture. That'll, that'll give you content when you don't know what to pray. We're praying in tongues. The Spirit helps us to pray in our, in our weakness also. That also helps a lot. But you pray Scripture, and um, you can apostolic prayers. There's many examples of you know, when Paul prays, you can pray, we can pray those things. Uh, things that are already in the Scripture, you know, Lord, build your church. Make us more like Jesus. Write your laws on our heart. These are all things God has promised to do. Save the lost. Send the Spirit convict of guilt. Glorify your name. So, We've got an abundance of language here. Pray the scripture back to God. Second, in, God, in prayer, God speaks to us, and he reveals his plan, but he expects us to respond with faith and obedience. This is a crucial in the story of Zechariah. He, he sends the angel to speak to, to Zechariah, tells him that the prayer is heard. They're going to have a son. He's going to name him John. But we hear in the story that Zechariah the priest doubts the promise. How can this be? We're old and very old and advanced in years. Uh, and then in the end, he, he ends up uh, obeying and naming the baby John. But uh, because he doesn't obey and because he doesn't, there's an angel of the Lord standing right in front of them, in front of him, bringing him the message of God, and he doesn't believe. He's struck dumb. 
for a number of months. And then in the mercy of the Lord, he, he speaks and he name, names the child. But it shows clearly that when uh, we're praying and God speaks, he expects the response of prayer and obedience. And faith, sorry, he expects the response of faith and, and obedience. Because uh, Zechariah's story is contrasted with the story of, uh, of Mary. There's a direct contrast. She, uh, when the same angel comes to her and uh, she hears the message and it's like, how, how can this be? But there's no doubt. She says, be it unto me, the servant of the Lord. So she believes. And then Elizabeth says, blessed is the one who believed the message. So Luke is comparing the two. Zechariah didn't. He, when we hear God, when we pray, uh, that, that's only the beginning of a sequence. And he wants us to respond with faith and obedience. That's a key part in prayer. Third, we can see with Zechariah and Elizabeth that sometimes God's answer to prayer comes after a long delay and living the direct opposite. They're praying for a child and they're barren. Praying for a child, they're barren. No change in circumstances. And they're old and advanced in years. It's been going on for many, many years praying for a child, possibly even decades. So they're in a, when God does answer, with, you'll see that theme in Scripture again and again, barren woman, barren woman, barren woman. So when God comes uh, and, and the, the mother bears a, a child, it's the power of God. It's not human intervention. That's what, what's going on here. It's a theme in Scripture with the patriarchs and their wives. But here it's, it's Elizabeth. She's barren. Uh, the Lord allows us often in Scripture to show that when the answer comes, it's totally due to the power of God and, and not to any human effort. Because she's barren. But it, was, it shows that we have to have perseverance and faith in, in prayer. We, we need to persevere. It takes time. Jesus said we need to pray and not, and not give up. That's, so that's a key thing. Luke is saying that uh, God uh, it fulfills his plan in conjunction with our prayer, but in his time. In his time. And this encourages me in a sense. I just I turned 60 and uh, last December or so. I'm looking at this, and I have a lot of things that I've been praying and haven't seen fulfilled. It gives me hope because God's got a plan for old people. There, <clears throat> it's, it's, there, it's a long time that Jesus saved the best, uh, best wine to last. So it doesn't mean that it's been a long time. We haven't seen the answers to our prayer. It means uh, God will, can still fulfill them in our old age, and he, uh, he can bless us in our brokenness and our el- when we're elderly, and we can still see these wonderful things. Uh, so it's not too late. It's not the best time when we're elderly is give, our, give ourselves as to, to a life of intercession. We have more time for it, so it's, uh, expect God to do wonderful things, even in our advanced years. Last thing you can say from this text about prayer is that simply God heard Zechariah's prayer. Why do we pray? Simple, God answers prayer. He's a, he's a prayer-answering God. He delights to answer prayer. So when we pray, we come with faith, knowing that if we pray according to his will, we have what we ask, John says. So we pray with faith, knowing the character of God, that he's a good father, longs to give us all the things we're praying for according to his will. He will hear our prayer. So another, that's the first example of this connection Luke is making between prayer and the plan of God. The second one is when Jesus is baptized in the Spirit. And this is an, a crucial in, in the Luke, Luke chapter 3. This is a crucial event in the unfolding and the fulfillment of God's plan because Isaiah 61 spoke about a prophet who would come, who would be anointed by the Spirit and proclaim good news. And so this event is when God is fulfilling that prophecy in, in the Old Testament. Luke chapter 3, verse 21 to 23. 
When the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, only Luke has this. This is what I mean. He, he, changed, uh, he adds something to the event to just to pull out what's there uh, to show that the other ones don't. You read Mark and, and the others, they don't have this there. But and, uh, Luke does because he wants to emphasize the plan of God is fulfilled through prayer. So he was praying, heavens uh, were open, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. Now this is crucial here, we'll talk about it later, because uh, uh, about uh, the prayer and baptism of the Spirit. But he will, Jesus does not, even Jesus does not begin his ministry until he's filled with the Spirit, until he's baptized with the Spirit. And Luke is making the point, scholars will say it, that uh, the, this baptism of the Spirit, the Spirit comes on him because he's praying. Luke is making a, a direct connection between the reception of the Spirit and prayer. We'll come back to that later. And what if Jesus wasn't praying? What if he didn't have a prayer life, just hypothetical? He would have missed this. Because if God wanted to give it to him in prayer, that's the, what he's ordained, he would have missed this. So what are we missing when we don't have a prayer life? I think it could be a lot. There's so many things that God in his love and his grace for us, he wants to pour it out on us and give it to us if we just obey him and set up the context in which he has chosen to give these things. Jesus, only now does he start his ministry. And this uh, is the fulfillment of Scripture because um, scholars will say that there's like a redactional bridge. It's a fancy term. For it. it makes a theological bridge between this and, and Luke chapter 4 because he keeps talking about the power, Jesus was in the power of the Spirit. Jesus was in the power of the Spirit. And then he quotes in, in chapter 4, he explains what this is. It's through Scripture. Chapter 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. And then he uh, ex- explains in verse 21, and he began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So clearly Luke is saying this is the, the next significant event, uh, that this is the fulfillment of the promises that God is sending, his, his, this prophet who would be anointed by the Spirit, who would have the Spirit to do this ministry, of proclaiming salvation to, uh, to the lost. And it's being fulfilled right now. And this is a record of the fulfillment of God's promises about the Christ, the Messiah, who is Jesus who is, we call him Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah. So the next one, that's two examples. The third example we see in Luke chapter 6, the choosing of the 12 apostles. Look at Luke 6, 12, verse 12. On one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them whom he also designated apostles. When Mark gives the same, uh, uh, his version of the same event, all he says is, uh, Jesus, and he went up onto the mountain, called to him those whom he desired, and he appointed 12. There's no mention of the night in prayer. There's no mention of prayer. So this happened, but each each author is selective. There's there's a whole bunch of things you can say about history. I teach church history. There's so many things you can say. Everybody selects. Well, Luke wants to get, why is he selecting, adding the prayer part? Because he wants us to see the connection. This is another key event in the fulfillment of God's plan. Because after Jesus goes to heaven, 
the third part of Luke 20, uh, 24, when he said that the, the, all about the Christ, the gospel will go to all nations. It's not going through Jesus. He went to Israel. So the next step, Jesus will continue this ministry. It's through Jesus, by the Spirit, through the church. He will continue that ministry because it's all about the Christ. Jesus is doing this, and he's doing it now. But it's through the 12. This is setting us up for, for the book of Acts, when the gospel of salvation will go to all nations in fulfillment of the promise of God. But it's just that Jesus won't do it. He'll do it through us, but here through the 12. Also in Luke, the 12 are very important for another uh, promise about God, of God in the Old Testament. Uh, Jesus said in Luke chapter 24 that the 12 will sit on thrones uh, judging Israel when Israel is restored. So this is the promise. They will be there judging Israel. Israel will be restored. That's also a fulfillment of the Old Testament promise. So the choosing of the 12 is a crucial step in, in, in the, the plan of God. And what's going on? Jesus is in an all-night prayer meeting before making the decision. So this is a pattern we're going to see in these texts, is that often Jesus or, the, or a disciple will pray, God speaks, and Jesus or the disciple obeys, and God's plan advances. That's the pattern. Jesus or a disciple prays, God speaks or strengthens, does something, and then the disciple or Jesus obeys, and the plan of God, the kingdom of God, advances. That's the pattern we'll see again and again in Luke and Acts. This is the kingdom pattern. This is the way God does things. Scriptures gives us the, the normative way of, of God. He doesn't change. So this is the way he chooses to do things. The, plan, the kingdom of God advances through prayer, but not just prayer. Because we see here that Jesus hears from the Father. He's spending the whole night in prayer. There's a direct connection. It says specifically, he prayed all night, then he chose. So he hears from the Father who the 12 are. And then, and then we have the 12 apostles. So it's, prayer is, is, is essential. We can't, God uh, chooses for, us, uh, for him to do things through, through that, but not prayer alone. It's prayer and obedience. It's prayer and obedience. People hear, they pray, they hear, they act, and then, then the kingdom of God advances. And we have faith too, with, like Zechariah, we're, uh, he didn't have, but we're supposed to have faith when we hear what God says. Another thing we can learn about prayer here in this text is that, look at Jesus' prayer life. It models extensive commitment of time to prayer. He's spending the whole night praying. We also saw with Anna, she worships, she prayed night and day. So often we talk about the work of the ministry and we're busy doing the work of the ministry as if prayer is not the work of the ministry and as if prayer is not hard work. Prayer is hard work and it is the work of ministry. God doesn't do anything without it. Or little without it, anyway. So it's, uh, it's essential. When Jesus is the model, we follow him. and he's, He had to be with his Father. So we have to be with him. And if, if we don't have a prayer life, just whatever. Start, start where you are, wherever, wherever you are. If this is new for you, then you take whatever time you have and be consistent with it. Start, with, start small. God does not despise small beginnings. We all have to start somewhere. So everybody's at a different level in a prayer life. That's fine. So just start small, but make it disciplined, make it regular. And then as you pray, and as you put that little time aside for God, you'll see that there'll be a taste for prayer. John Wimber from the Vineyard, he founded the Vineyard, he said, we get a taste for what we eat. We get a taste for what we eat. If we're eating something else, we're going to want to keep doing that. But if you start with prayer, you'll get a taste for it because you're eating it. So start. Start small, eat it, and then God will give you a desire for more. 
And this thing that we see, he's going up to the mountains, he's, he's really showing the commitment, he's going to difficult places. It's, be, it's because Jesus had a life of prayer. Luke chapter 5, it says that Jesus would often withdraw uh, to lonely places and, and pray. He sought solitude so he could be with the Father. It was his lifestyle. So if prayer is central to his life, and he's our model, we have to ask ourselves, is prayer central to our life? We're following him. And always in the in in sense of grace is that prayer is not a get-to. <laughs> it's not a, sorry, I'm, it's not a got-to. It's a get-to. It's a get-to. Jesus tore on the cross by the death of Christ, the veil that was in the temple that stopped people from entering the Holy of Holies, it was torn. By the blood of Christ, we now have access 24-7 into the Holy of Holies when in the Old Testament only once a year one priest could go in. We have access, intimacy and access to the Father 24-7 because of the blood of Christ. It's a get-to. It's really a get-to. And the essence, if you want to know what the essence of what, what, what makes people intercessors, what makes them burn, burn in prayer, it's burning for Jesus. It's simply love. It's this desire of Jesus to be with the Father. It's the desire of an intercessor, the child of God, saying, Abba, I, I want to be with you. I have to be with you. It's a love affair. That's all it is. And when we have the love, we burn in prayer, and we burn in worship, and we burn in obedience. It's just all that other stuff is a, is a, is a measure of our love. So we go, the Lord, fill my heart with love for you, and let me burn for you. Jesus had to be with the Father. We have to be with Jesus and the Father. Because it's relational. It's not a legalism. It's a, it's, like I said, it's a get-to. It's, relation. it's all about relationship. So a final example in the Gospel of Luke about this link between prayer and the plan of God, Luke uh, chapter 22. One of them, there's two key, really key elements in the plan of God. It was the death and the resurrection of Christ. We'll look at, uh, at the lead up to the death of Christ, Luke chapter 22, verse 39. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing to take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him, and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. So this is, this is a crucial part of, of God's plan. Jesus quotes uh, Isaiah 53 in, chapter 20, in this chapter also saying, uh, it, Isaiah 53 must be fulfilled in him. Luke 24 said that Christ must suffer. Well, we're coming to this point. This is the fulfillment of the plan of God. This is the lens when you read this in Luke about the cross. This is the lens you want, uh, he wants us to see it through, the plan of God being fulfilled. This was prophesied. This was prophesied. The servant would suffer, Isaiah 53. And only here, Luke really emphasizes the prayer here. Uh, and only Luke, he, he starts and ends with, pray that you may not enter into temptation. Only Luke does that. So <clears throat> it's an important part of the of the text. And three times uh, it refers to Jesus praying. And so Jesus is an example of 
not falling into temptation, pray and not falling into temptation. He says before and after, and then you have his example. So his life illustrates the point. Pray and don't fall into temptation. In the context, uh, Jesus is about to go to the cross. He's going to face the wrath of God as our substitute for sin. The penalty of sin is death, and that's God's justice. In God's love, uh, Jesus became our substitute, and he would take that on himself. So now he's, about, he's been from eternity in relationship with the Father, and sin separates from the Father, and he's going to face the wrath of God for us because of the love of God, and he's going to be separated from the Father in some sense. So it's, uh, it's difficult. This is extremely, extremely difficult for him. But here he shows the heart of prayer. How to pray. Not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. Prayer involves a radical commitment to the will of God. What we see here, he's modeling for us the life of prayer. What is an intercessor? What is a Christian? This is it. Not my will, but your will be done. And Jesus, there's a, he never sinned, so, but there's a potential. He's in a human form, and there's a potential for missing God's will. There's a difference between his will and God's will. And he's, he has to pray, pray this prayer. How much more for, uh, so for us? <laughs> when, when we're faced something very difficult to compromise. So uh, we need to pray, and, not avoid, and that will help us to avoid temptation. And he, uh, it's important to understand here when Jesus is praying, your will, not, not ours, be done. What God wants on earth is for his kingdom to come, his will to be done. This is the way he teaches us to pray. Your will be done, your kingdom come. It's not about our will. It's not about our plan. It's not about our agenda. He'll give us desires and these things, and it's a joy to follow his, follow his will, yes, but it is his will, and it is his plan that we submit to. He's, he's, his, that's why when we, we pray, we pray for his will to be done, and, that, and then we have the assurance. But it's all about the, the kingdom of God. It's all about the plan of God being fulfilled, not ours, not our agenda. We let that go, and we pray the prayer of Jesus. Not my will be done, not my agenda, not my aspiration, not what I want. I trust that what, what you want for me cause me to desire it, and it will be good for me. It, he, he will give us those desires, and it will be good for us. This is not some hair shirt. He will give us things, and we will want to do what he wants. The will and the long for what he, what he wants. But it's what he wants. And the church has to get that straight. He's the king. It's the king of the kingdom. It's his plan, his agenda, not ours. Not my will, your will be done. At the corporate level for the church and at the individual level for, for all Christians. This is the heart cry, the basis of prayer. And another thing we see here is that when Jesus prays, supernatural things are happening. happening. An angel comes and he's strengthened. So it's like, this is all what we miss when we don't have corporate and, and individual prayer. I don't know how many times when uh, uh, you know, I've been wounded in the church or wounded by, by events, my heart starts closing and I'm not in a particularly loving mood, uh, then I'll be in prayer and just repenting and the Lord's coming and I sense his presence and I'm softening, softening, so- and then I'm, I'm back to okay, Lord, I'm, just give me your grace to love, give me your grace to obey. It's in, I've strengthened so many times and you tell me the same thing. How many times have we been strengthened by God in prayer? <laughs> it's the Christian life. Just think about it. That's where the grace comes from. I don't have it in my pockets. It's, it's something that we're completely dependent upon God on a daily renewal. So as we're praying, the grace comes, the heart softens, and, and we go. So 
This is what we miss if we don't pray. All these, the angel coming and strengthening Jesus in a terrible time. He's being strengthened. We are strengthened to obey in that time. So don't miss all these incredible experiences of God's grace. So here again, the same pattern. Jesus prays. God acts, does, does something. He strengthens him. Uh, Jesus obeys and goes to the cross. And the plan of God, our salvation, advances. So another key point, and we mentioned a key point here, is that prayer is the way that we, we escape temptation. So temptation is coming under the power of sin. As we pray, we, we, uh, we overcome that temptation, that prayer is the key. There's other things, obedience, and you have, there's things we can do. But prayer, he's saying, pray that you do not uh, fall into temptation. So it's a key uh, way that God has ordained that we overcome temptation, stay faithful to him. And we can miss God's will. There's many, because we have our own agendas, have our own, or even our own thoughts. That just thinking it's God is not God. It's just keep praying and God will cl- clarify all these things. And the, the last point you can see here is that uh, it's, he was praying in earnest, you know, uh, sweating with drops of blood. It's a very intense prayer. Sometimes prayer will be uh, intense. Epaphras, Paul says about Epaphras that he was always um, wrestling in prayer uh, for the church. And wrestling, believe me, wrestling is a very... I used to do it a lot with my older brother and, and wrestling, and uh, he was four years older, so all I could do was keep him to a draw. But, uh, but it was intense and exhausting in the wrestling. Then when we were covered in, in grass stains, we'd go into the house and have to wrestle with our mother. But uh, <laughs> she, she wasn't too happy. But it's intense. Wrestling is a very intense metaphor. It, it takes all your energy. And Epaphras is doing it for the church, and Jesus is doing it in Gethsemane. So prayer is work. But it's by the breath of God. It's the Spirit that teaches us to pray and helps us in our weakness. It's all by the grace of God. We ask for the Spirit to help us. So that's in, in Luke, just a, a couple more in Acts. And in Acts, Acts cha, uh, chapter 1. Verse 14, uh, verse 14, Acts chapter 1. After the death and resurrection of Jesus, it's Pentecost, Pentecost is the next key event. Verse 14, chapter 1, verse 14. They all join together constantly in prayer, along with the woman and Mary. And then chapter 2, verse 1, the day of Pentecost came. They're all together in one place. Verse 4, uh, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So uh, it says they're constantly in prayer. This is the context for Pentecost. It's a corporate prayer meeting. They're constantly in prayer. In chapter 2, it says that the church is describing the early church. They're devoted to prayer. It also says they're praising God. So prayer and praise, it goes together. Prayer and worship, they, they go very well together. And that was what the early church was doing. And this is another fulfillment of God's promise, the promise to Joel, that he would pour out his spirit on all flesh, and they would all prophesy. Now, uh, Lucas, he's recording every, all these key events uh, that God is fulfilling, these promises from the old. Here's another one. And what's the context? A corporate prayer meeting. Same thing with um, the, the whole Gentile mission, which is what Acts is all about. There's <clears throat> two, uh, two key pushes there. It was with uh, Peter and then with Paul. With uh, uh, Peter... It's, um, well, the whole thing is another fulfillment because in Acts 15, uh, when Paul comes back, uh, James says, look, it started with Peter with this mission to the Gentiles, and this is the fulfillment of the scripture from Amos. Amos said that the, God would restore the fallen tent of David, his dynasty, his kingdom, and uh, bring in the Gentiles. So in Acts 15, Luke is saying it again. There's the theme. Pick it up. Uh, scripture is being fulfilled. 
These events are God acting to fulfill the Old Testament promise. And it's here, the, income, the coming of the Gentiles into the, into the church and salvation going to all the nations, uh, that's the, the event being fulfilled. And the context is prayer. Again, with, with Peter, it's uh, Cornelius' conversion. Chapter 10, verse 2. He's in Caesarea, Centurion, Cornelius. It says that he, was, um, he gave generally to those, generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, this is the hour of prayer. He'll mention it later. Uh, three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He saw an angel of God, and, and uh, the angel says, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have, been, have come up as a memorial offering before God. Send, to, uh, send a man to Simon. He wants him to hear the salvation message. So in verse 30 and 31, Cornelius repeats what, uh, what happened when he's explaining it to Peter. Four days I was in my house praying. So he's telling us that hour of prayer was an hour of prayer uh, in his home. He was praying at this at three in the afternoon. And then the angel comes and God remembers the prayer and he says, uh, go and send for Peter. So the, the context here, again, this is crucial. Luke is signaling, hello, this is the, my theme again, fulfillment of, the, of God's prophecy in Isaiah and Amos of the Gentiles coming in. What's going on? God fulfills it in prayer. That's why prayer is so important. God is fulfilling it in prayer. Again, the same pattern. <clears throat> he, he's praying, Cornelius prays, God speaks, Cornelius obeys, the plan of God advances. Acts chapter 13, when Paul goes on, on mission, <clears throat> it says in verse 1, they're gathered to there in Antioch, and verse uh, 2, while they were worshiping the Lord, so they're seeking God, and, and they're fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. And they fasted and prayed and sent them off. So prayer is there, and it's the context of seeking God, and this is Paul's mission to the Gentiles, the rest of Acts here, this, ent- this crucial mission. Uh, we're, all the, us, we're coming out of this. This crucial mission is born, uh, born in birth in prayer. And then the same thing, they obey, they hear, they obey, and God's kingdom advances. So that's Luke's point. We've looked at many different key events. God fulfills his plan through prayer, and this is the way the kingdom of God advances. And Luke shows us this by highlighting the presence of prayer in key events in the unfolding of this plan. We looked at the coming of John the Baptist. We looked at the anointing of Jesus. We looked at the choosing of the 12 apostles. The cross, Jesus going to the cross. We looked at Pentecost and Gentile missions. It's right through the, the two books. Prayer, God chooses to fulfill his plan through prayer. Last point, we'll just co- close with this. The second major point is that, uh, we talked about it earlier, is that um, God um, gives us the Spirit. He fills us with the Spirit in conjunction with prayer. So not only is prayer key for the plan of God being fulfilled, but the power to fulfill that plan comes through prayer by the Spirit. And we already saw with Jesus, he was baptized. It was like he was calling, he was there, he's praying, and then as he's praying, the Spirit comes and he's baptized. Scholars say that there's a direct connection. As he prays, uh, the Spirit, he's filled and he's baptized and he can start his ministry. Pentecost, same thing with the church. There's, Jesus is the model. Uh, he, Luke, he's intentionally contrasting the church and, and Pentecost and Jesus, and when he gets baptized in the Spirit, saying the same thing. We need the Spirit and then we start our ministry just like the Lord uh, once we're baptized and it happens in the context of prayer, corporate and individual. 
And then this becomes almost like a, uh, it's a lifestyle because in Acts chapter 4, it's, it's like, okay, we got the baptism and that's the end of it. No, Acts chapter 4, these people who are baptized in the Spirit, they're praying again and they're filled with the Spirit and they preach the gospel with, uh, with signs and wonders. So why did they need it? Because we leak. We need to constantly be filled. We leak. That's all. And, 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 then, and then they're praying again. So it's a lifestyle. It's not a one-shot thing. You, keep, you have, and again, corporate prayer, a lifestyle of prayer, corporate and individual, a lifestyle of seeking God and depending on Him and being filled with the Spirit and then experiencing the power of God and seeing the kingdom advance. It's not a one-time thing. Last verse, uh, Luke 11, verse 13. If you then though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So, again, Luke makes the link. You see, you see the addition here. He's, in Matthew, he says, God gives good gifts to those who ask. Luke is the only one who, who makes it more precise, the best gift, the Holy Spirit. So he makes a link between asking and the Holy Spirit. Those who ask will get that's what, what God says. Ask and you will receive. And he's a good father. He's saying here he's a good father. He wants to give it to us. We're not begging. He's a good, we go in the character of God. He loves us. He wants to give us this. So just to conclude, um, two, two points. Luke often chooses to fulfill his plan in conjunction with our prayer. And prayer is crucial to receiving the Spirit's power that is essential to the plan being fulfilled. So we, we long to be an apostolic church. We long to see what happens in, in the Bible. We have to follow apostolic methods. We need to be filled with the Spirit independence, and, and we need to have a life of prayer, corporate and individual. I think one, a, a crucial need in the church right now is a burning heart for the Lord. It all flows out of love. It's all just love. It's not legalism, it's not a, a work, it's, it's love. And we need a burning heart uh, in intercession. So I'd, I'd just like to close in prayer. If there's anybody, if you want to raise your hand, and we we're just going to ask together, Lord, give us this burning heart for intercession, to be with you in intercession. If, you, if that's your, your heart cry, just raise your hand and I'll pray for you. Lord, just thank you for your people. They're your beloved. Bless these people that have raised their hand. And for myself, I also pray, Lord, give us a burning heart to love you in prayer, that we have to be with our Father. We have to be with Jesus. By your Spirit, Lord, we pray that you'd give this great grace. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. God, give this great grace to your people right now that our hearts will burn, take off the distractions, take off, give us an appetite for what we eat. We want to eat prayer, Lord. We want to live and breathe prayer. Give us this grace of prayer and this burning heart of love for you that we have to be with you. Grant us this grace. Give this grace to your people, all that have raised their hands. Give this grace to your people. In Jesus' name I pray. The worship band can come up. Like I said, start small. If it's, you don't just start small, make it consistent, and you'll get an appetite for what you eat by the grace of God. If there's any uh, questions or if you just want prayer, uh, I'll be down here uh, available for you. I'd be happy to pray for you, talk with you. As a, as a worship man, just uh, pray softly.
So, um, amen. Thank you. Uh, thank you for uh, listening. Have a great week.